you're tuned in to Shake, Rattle, and Goal, the official podcast of your Springfield Thunderbirds. Osmanski, a one-timer deflected side of the goal, Alexandrov scores! Hosted by Matt Baker and Steve Forney. A show that's everything Springfield hockey, with interviews including players, coaches, and staff. The Springfield Indians repeat as the Calder Cup champions. Listen to this podcast on all major streaming platforms and wherever you download podcasts. In his first year at the helm, Kevin McDonald and Drew Manister have the team in the Calder Cup Finals. Watch the podcast on the official Shake, Rattle, and Goal YouTube page at SRG Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Baker and Steve Forney. Welcome to episode number three of the Shake, Rattle, and Goal podcast. Alongside Matt Baker, I am Steve Forney. It's a pleasure to have you all listening with us today. We got a lot to get to. And Matt, for the first time in, uh, well, in our podcast's short history, we actually have live hockey games yes. to talk about. Yes, it, it, it's, it's good when the content is made for you. Yeah. <laughs> So um, we will get into some of the um, the prospect games that the uh, Blues had. We had tons of Thunderbirds playing in that one. Um, we also have a very special guest uh, today, um, Kevin Johnson, the in-game host for your Springfield Thunderbirds. You might know his voice from Mix 93.1. You definitely know his face if you go to the games. He's up on the Jumbotron throwing out T-shirts, skating around. Um, awesome, awesome insight from Kevin Johnson. So we'll have that interview for you as well. Um, and we do have, obviously, a ton of stuff to get to. I did, Matt, um, just off the top, I wanted to bring up something that uh, I think means a lot to us that worked behind the scenes, especially down at ice level. Um, the passing of Jay Denver. Jay Denver was the head of uh, a head of officials really at every Springfield game. Um, more often than not, he was the guy standing next to me down in the booth. Um, and when you're stuck in that kind of a small space over the course of five seasons with somebody, um, you really get to know him. Um, Jay was uh, an absolute pro. He took what he did very, very seriously, um, and I think it took a little while for us to warm up a little bit. Uh, there were times where I would, when I first started, I'd be super excited in the booth, and Jay would have to say, you know, hey, look, you're here to work. You're not a fan. If you want to be a fan, go up into the booth, you know, go upstairs mm-hmm. if you want to be a fan. Um, and, you know, over the course of time, our relationship um just grew and and he's an awesome dude and his kids are great and you know even jay uh when he when the cancer was really starting to get to him at the end of last season he didn't miss games um but he spent a lot of time instead of being in the penalty box next to me he would sit behind the penalty box in a chair and he would do the whole game from down there because he just he he was you know he's a rink rat for less for lack mm-hmm. of a better term he loved his job he loved what he had to do his responsibility being in charge of of the office officials and uh, Jay used to always tell me that um, if I get out of line, he's going to, uh, he's going to sharpen his elbows so he could <laughs> elbow me in the booth. So Jay, uh, we're going to miss you, buddy. It's just, it's not going to be the same this year at all. Um, keep those elbows sharp. We're going to have to have somebody else sharpen those elbows. Cause I'm probably going to need them in the ribs, but uh, there's definitely going to be a big void uh, down there at ice level uh, this coming season. And, and, um, and I don't think anyone's going to be able to fill it. So Jay to Jay to Jay's family, uh, to Kate, to the grandkids, um, you know, serious condolences from all of us. And I can't tell you what what an important part of my career and my growth um, Jay was. And and mm-hmm. um, just a, a fantastic guy. And uh, uh, like I said, we're, we're just really going to miss him. So, um, 
Yeah, I just wanted to sort of get that out at the top, and um, and then we'll get now we'll get to the good now we'll get to the the happy fun stuff because we do have a lot of uh, fun stuff to get to as well. In fact, Matt, um, to, today as of today when we're recording, the Blues announced uh, their upcoming schedule for training camp. Right. So it looks like I mean, really, next week, September twenty first, um, they have they're, they're starting their training camp now. Let me ask you this, and this is a question. I, I don't know the answer to I'm, I'm looking at sort of their report and it, it you know, 930 a.m. Group A and then Group B. Is that just like how basically are they are you picturing them splitting their training camp roster into multiple groups? And so this is sort of, hey, Group A, you're going to be at this rank, Group B you're at this rank. And then they kind of go from there. Yeah, I mean, between. Between the 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 AHL between the NHL team the AHL team and then all the camp invites there's a lot sure. of guys yes yeah so you know they put some vet some of the veteran they grab a handful of veterans a handful of NA, of AHLers a handful of you know rookies and they okay. they they divide them up and then a lot of times when they'll have scrimmages you know those team those two groups will practice with each other and then mm-hmm. you know when they do scrimmaging it'll be Group A against Group B and so it kind of helps them mesh with each other and uh, which I think is more beneficial to the scrimmages, but yeah, I think pretty much every team sort of kind of, kind of does that. And then um, when it comes to scrimmaging, then, then they'll have a full team. Group A is going to play the Phoenix Coyotes group A and group right. B is going to yeah, play their yeah. group B. You know what I mean? So it's like a, so I, I guess it would be like a split squad in, in MLB. Exactly. Right. Exactly that makes sense. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So it, it's exciting. I mean, look, September 21st, they've got stuff going on all the way through September 24th. Um, and then I would imagine after that, we'll, we will have probably a better uh, outlook as to what our T-Birds roster is going to look like and who's going to be trickling down and and have an idea also of who's going to be up and down, you know, those kind of bubble guys. Um, but it's exciting. I mean, hockey, the, I, I saw the pictures of the, the ice getting made and painted up in the Mass Mutual Center in the Thunderdome over there. So it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, I even go at the Big E. I went to the Big E, and there's the there's the table, and yep. I you know a couple a couple of reps that I enjoy talking to. I didn't get a chance to because they were like talking to other people, going, "All right, you want to be in the lower bowl or the upper? You know, where do you want to yeah. be?" And I'm like, "I'm not gonna bother you guys. You know, you you <laughs> sell away, my man. You know, um, so that is that is exciting. Like you said, the the uh, the magic is in the air, and um, you know, we're starting to get some roster information too. I I did notice on the roster is a guy named Isaac Ratcliffe, who I remember mm-hmm. seeing. Six foot six, two hundred pound winger. Uh, played for Lehigh Valley in Chicago. Um, he's one of those guys that I think will probably end up on a roster if he sticks around. Um, so I know we did sort of all the roster stuff in last episode, but uh, that's one guy kind of slipped through the cracks. Um, the other thing I find kind of interesting, um, you know, Tory Krug uh, mm-hmm. went down with a lower body injury already. They're not going to reevaluate him till October first. That's a long time. I mean, it's, it's the mid September. So, you know, I got to figure that's going to be a spot for Scott Perunovich. I mean, you talk about filling the Tory Krug mold, little, littler guy can skate, can score, can pass. Um, You know, I, I I assume he'll be the guy to fill in, but I didn't know Matt, if you thought there was maybe anybody else either on the blues or Thunderbirds roster that might, might swing in there. I mean, I've always kind of felt that Perunovich was, was that bubble defensive guy um, going up and down similar to like a Tyler Tucker role last year. Um, You know, I think the little bit that we follow the blues as part of the Thunderbirds, you know, we know that the blues were ravaged with, with injuries last year. So uh, I'm just hoping 
you know, last year was the injury year and this year get Tory Krug healthy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I looking at who is participating on their roster, I'm, I'm going through it and, you know, Perunovic is the guy that comes to mind as, is that villain? I mean, I don't see, uh, Kessel's not going to stay up. Osmanski's not staying up. Tyler Tucker's there. Leo Luf is still young. Your guy, Jeremy Biakabatuka, he's yeah. staying, he's, he's staying down. He's not you ready. Know? So he's, they're not ready yet. And, yeah. and uh, so yeah, it, it kind of has to be Perunovic, which I, I, I like Scotty P. I think he's a great player. I love watching him play. I love saying his name. Um, <laughs> so, but he's one of those guys that just, I remember the first game he played just had this, like co- this, I don't want to say cockiness, just this confidence mm-hmm. um, on the ice. Like, Sometimes he'll like a lot of a lot of guys defensemen will get the puck and when they're doing line changes and stuff they'll carry it behind the net and they'll stop and they'll wait for everything to organize. He goes like six feet in front of the goal yeah. and just stands yeah. there with the puck and he's like, "Go ahead, come and get it." You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just that, that. I dare you. I dare yeah, you. Yeah, right. And I, I I love that. He's he's a confident skater, confident player, and by the way, a really nice kid. So um, you know, I want nothing for the best uh, for him. But you know, if I'm Tory Krug, I'm a little worried. I mean, there's a chance that that he steps in and crushes it, and now you're for the Blues. You're looking at a very expensive player that lost their spot, and what do you do? Yeah, with? yeah. I mean, and, and he's older too. He's not on his last season, you know, on his last leg. No pun intended. But um, he's he's an older player, so you always look at that, and and you've got young, energetic guys who need to prove something. And you know, th- that's the thing about any sport. And if you if you open that door for somebody else. If they step in and they take it, you know, uh, it, it, that could be tough for Tory Krug. It's interesting too, from blues perspective, <clears throat> because you always want to like, if you have a younger, cheaper option, you want to go with it. But if you, if Tory Krug's ready to play and, and you're thinking, all right, well, it's time to trade him. No one's going to take him if he's not playing. It's true. That's you know so you're going to have to play him to, to, to tease his, his trading, you know, put him on the trade block, but yeah, his trade value. I couldn't find the word. Thank you. But you know, it's interesting. I, I will give the blues credit. They clearly sold everything off last year, but they have, they're, they're a quick rebuild. Like it's, I don't feel like their roster is in a position where you're looking at a, a, a three year rebuild. I mean, I, I really think in the Western conference, they can be, you know, on that playoff bubble this year. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's another thing, too, is is are you looking to pull up these young guys who aren't quite ready? And, and are you getting them ready by playing? Are you just throwing them into the fire or are you going to let them mature and let them build on their game here in Springfield? Uh, and, you know, that that is that's a decision for the Blues front office. And, and that's kind of, you know, we, we touched upon this. Uh, in an earlier episode where that's it, that's the life of an AHLer. Yeah. Um, you know, you get a phone call, you're happy to go up and then you get sent back down and you're, you're back to back taking the bus trips. Yeah. Um, but it, it's interesting too. the Western conference to me, like teams one through say five or six are really, are really good. But mm-hmm. in the Eastern conference teams, one through like 12 are really good. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the East is deeper and I feel like there is opportunity for the blues. Like you said, to kind of sneak into a six, seven, eight seed. 
uh, especially the way they build the roster in the offseason. It does, they're not. Yeah, here to I can sell. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. You know, even flirting around that nine ten spot. You know, like like I said, that bubble team. I don't I I don't think this is a long rebuild for the Blues. Um, and I think that bodes well for Springfield, um, to continue to put out uh, excellent talent at the AHL level. Yeah. So, um, so we do have that to look forward to. Um, we are going to talk about the prospects tournament. Again, they played two games uh, in Minnesota, one against the wild one against the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, we are going to get to that in a little bit, but first uh, I wanted to, well, we wanted to uh, share our interview in our chat with Kevin Johnson. Um, boy, what a storyteller. That guy is absolutely fantastic to listen to. So yeah. uh, fans of the SRG podcast, get comfortable. And uh, hear from our boy Kevin Johnson from Mix 93.1 and your in-game host of the Thunderbirds. All right, it's a pleasure right now on the Shake, Rattle, and Gold podcast to be joined by a face that many of you have seen throughout the Mass Mutual Center if you've been coming to Thunderbirds games. Uh, Kevin Johnson, who is the operations manager at uh, iHeartRadio in Springfield. He's also a DJ on Mix 93.1. I believe they call him Dreamy Kevin Johnson on the air. Uh, but he's also your <laughs> in-game host for the uh, Springfield Thunderbirds. Kev, thanks so much for taking the time, my man. First, you're welcome. First, who is they? I don't know who they is. Um, all the female listeners that we have <laughs> usually is what it just usually is. Um, we threw wanna... out a poll, Kevin. We threw out a poll before this, and then that's what we got back. <laughs> all right, listen. the The number then the numbers don't lie. That's there. That's it. Fact. That's fact. Oh, I right. I just wanted to start off real quick, uh, to say thank you to Kev because, uh. Kev was my instructor at Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Kev took me on at iHeartRadio. Uh, we worked together for about a decade in the radio industry. And um, Kev set up my first NHL PA gig, which was actually in Brooklyn for the New York Islanders. Uh, so I owe a lot of my career to you, pal. And it's we haven't worked together for a little while here now, but it's nice to reconnect a, a little bit. Well, we listen, you're welcome. First off, I want to thank you for not being a a PIA in class. You were one of the ones I knew had some potential because you didn't make me, you know, crazy. Um, but no, in all seriousness, um, you're welcome and and thank you because for me, you know, we've been doing this hockey thing now for a long time, um, and of course, you doing. PA, me doing game hosting, and we'll probably get into it a little bit here in a minute. But like, you know, I, I started off as a fill. My first job in this industry, in the hockey industry, was a fill-in PA guy for a preseason game in in Stratford, Connecticut. It was a Sound Tigers Wolfpack preseason game at, at mm -hmm. the the rinks in Shelton, um, because they needed somebody. And my then sister-in-law. Uh, work for the sound tigers and said hey you know hockey you can talk why don't you do this so i botched my way through that game and for some particular reason the team president liked what i did oh, bring him in be, be our fill-in guy and then can he can he host well let's try it and uh i filled in there too and, and eventually it became what i'm still doing here today but an event the nice part about working in in, in bridgeport was your proximity to the island and they they you know not so much the players but the you know game staff as well they would move back and forth so i got an opportunity to finally do pa in the nhl um for the islanders and that was the last full season at the old nassau coliseum and you know that that was a it was a 
Thanksgiving weekend, Saturday night game. It was Isles Devils. Place was sold out. It was there was legends all season because they were doing uh, uh, bringing back all the old timers. And I just happened. And the funny thing is, I got the script for the 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 game uh, that day emailed to me. I'm reading it on the ferry, and I get to the page in the pregame about Legends Night, and it's a full page. And I look at it, and I just happened to draw Dennis Potvin Night. Uh-huh. So if there was ever a franchise guy, that's the guy. Here's me making my debut in the NHL, and I have to read a whole page about Dennis Potvin. <laughs> so, you know, freaking out just a little bit. Yeah. But I, I got through it. It went really well. And then, all right, game starts. We'll settle down. And minute into the game, first penalty. And Steve, you know this, and you can explain this maybe. And I'm not sure if you've gotten into this previously on the podcast, but you know the referees don't tell us who the players are. They come over, they yell, they they look at you, they throw up a couple of numbers, and they make <laughs> a, a um make a a sign, and we're supposed to know what the sign means, what the penalty is, or whatever. And and what the number is is the player. So he ref comes over, sixty eight New Jersey two minutes interference. Okay, so I'm still buzzing from the pregame and just the fact that I'm in a sold out Nassau Coliseum. It's just going places going crazy, and I look down at my roster, and I look over, and Yarmir Yager is sitting next to me. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, this is happening. What is going yeah. on? This is crazy. Um, and here's, you know, here's here's a guy who's an I mean, we won't even get into him, but animal, just an animal. And could still lace him up and play in the NHL today if he wanted to mm-hmm. and 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 be effective and productive and, and help a team. So that was like probably the most surreal moment. But the whole point of this little story is I had that opportunity and it was so cool to be able to do it. And I had one more chance. I did a preseason game in Brooklyn the next season. Um, and then they called me again. And I couldn't do it because of my obligations to iHeartMedia and the radio stations. We had a lot going on that day. And I the first name in my head was Steve Forney. And I said, um, I made the phone call. And oh. I said, I, I know you can do this. Are you available? And I think I forget exactly what you said. Well, if there was some kind of four letter words maybe involved. No, no. Here, here's how this went. Cause we were, cause you had the office sort of across from me. Yeah. Uh, we were both at work and I couldn't see you, but your office was across from me and you, the phone rings. And then I'll just hear you go, Hey, Forney, do you want to PA announce the Islanders game tonight? And I said, excuse me. He's like, yeah, you got to go to Brooklyn. You want to do the Islanders game? I said, uh, can I have the rest of the day off? And you're like, yes. And I'm like, all right. See you later. And I got my car and drove to Brooklyn. It was yeah. awesome. It was and awesome. you know, when I started, when I started to do PA uh, in Bridgeport, I filled in for uh, Adam Goodman, who was the the from day one of the Sound Tigers. And this is a Thunderbirds podcast. This is probably all <laughs> taboo what we're talking about, but it's just the business. Yep. Um, Adam Goodman was day one PA guy for for the Sound Tigers, and. I came in at a time when his kids were getting old enough to be into hockey on their own and he never needed days off. Um, But all of a sudden he found himself needing them. And he always said to me, he's like, Hey, I appreciate what you do because you come in and you're good at it. And I know they're not going to give me a hard time taking days off because the person who's filling in for me, isn't going to screw it up. 
Right. So that was the thought in my head. You know, I want to go back eventually and do another another PA you know, uh, shot with the Islanders. I don't. I want to help them fix their problem of having a, no PA on on game day. Um, and they're calling me, and I'm you know two and a half hours away, so I know they're in a tough spot. I want to give them somebody who can get this done and, and own it. And you were the first name in my head, and, and you did, and that turned into a lot more than you know doing one game. So that got you a pretty sweet gig in the NHL. Sure did. Sure did. Well, I appreciate it. And um, I guess with, with all that, well, what brought you sort of to Springfield? What, what, you know, living in Connecticut, being a Connecticut guy, I'm, I guess I'm the only mass mass guy on the podcast at this point. Um, what, what brought you up here to Springfield? You talking hockey or talking is in general? Well, just in general. And, and I mean, I know I'm sure the radio station being up here was a thing, but having that gig with the Thunderbirds and something that you've been doing for a long time now, what, what, what so long story short and i will keep this as brief as i possibly can because again we're on a, a 40 minute time limit here with zoom thank you zoom um <laughs> thank you zoom. i uh i worked for almost five years overnights at uh 96.5 tic in hartford where i became very uh familiar and worked closely with damon scott uh, a name that people that are, are hockey geeks in, in the AHL Northeast region will know because he's been the game host uh, for the Wolfpack since their day one back in 97. A lot of what I bring to the games in Springfield, I, I, I've kind of borrowed from him. He doesn't know it, but I learned from him just watching him do games. Uh, I also learned from a guy named Dave Schneider. Um, you ever heard of the band The Zambonis? Dave was the lead singer and Dave was the Dave was the game host in Bridgeport when I started to fill in there. So I learned things from Dave. I learned things from Damon and I kind of brought them all together and then threw my own little spin on it. And that's what you get, you know, on game night in Springfield now, but um, five years at TIC overnights. And I was, you know what, it's time to, to not work in the middle of the night anymore. And have people wonder why, why is this guy, you know, never working when everyone else is awake, what's wrong with him? So I saw the uh, I saw a job opening to do afternoons on on mix in Springfield, and uh, I I applied for it. And one of the things I taught you guys at the school, Steve, was about you know seeing an opportunity you want and go for it and don't wait. So um, I recorded part of my show that night uh, at TIC on the overnight. Did a little bit of editing, brushed up the resume, printed. This is back when you printed resumes out. <laughs> And then, uh, well, Springfield's only a half hour up the road. So I went home. You know, I got home at 6 o'clock in the morning, 6.30, got a few hours sleep, um, put all the stuff in an envelope, and I drove it to Springfield. And I dropped it off in person, and I got a phone call the next day. Um, Pat McKay was the program director at, at the time, and he called me and said, hey, love to talk to you. And within a week, I had the job. And that was it. And it was the afternoons, two to, uh, at the time, 3 to 7. Uh, but afternoons in Springfield on on Mix ninety three one, which I'm still doing, and it's funny. I just uh, coming up in no June. We just passed June. I just hit eighteen years, so wow. it's all it'll wow. be tw twenty years in twenty twenty five. Which if I get there, and it is business, you never know. <laughs> but if I get there, it'll be twenty years doing the same slot, same station, and that's kind of unheard of in the business. It so, really is, yeah. Um, and that maybe that says something about me, but I don't know. Um. But that's how I got to Springfield. And then I was working for Bridgeport. And at the time, it was still the Falcons in Springfield. And I want to say it was Bob Oliver who was at 
a game on the road in Bridgeport, knew me obviously from the radio station, recognized me doing, I think it was a PA game I was doing. Maybe it was hosting. I don't remember. But they called me in the offseason, and it was actually uh, Mike Mitchell was the game operations director at the time. Mitch, they called him. And Mitch called and says, uh, hey, how come you don't work for us? And I said, well, you never asked me. <laughs> and that was it. Fair so, enough. So we uh, we worked out a quick little you know, conversation, and I said, um, is it cool if I call Bridgeport and just ask them? You know, I, I I could very easily just go ahead and do this, but I'm always about doing things by the book and you know wanting to play play nice and and respect the people that gave you an opportunity to to give them the courtesy. Absolutely. Um, and I I got the answer that I knew I was going to get, which was, of course. It's across the street from your radio station. It's a great cross branding. Why wouldn't you do it? So please. And I said, um, would I still be able to do PA for you guys, you know, off camera stuff? And they said, absolutely. So there was, there was a good, I don't know, four or five year run when I was game hosting for the Falcons and still work in PA for Bridgeport, 15, 20 games a year, um, which was kind you, of You like to work. Oh, <laughs> uh, you, you, yeah, good for you. Uh, it keeps you busy. Yeah, yeah, it keeps you out of trouble. But, um, but yeah, so that's how I got to Springfield was just you know looking to advance, looking to get to that next step. Um, and then I I hit a spot and I hit a place where all the stars kind of aligned and um the radio gig's been very good to me and that started off from just on earth you know on earth opportunities and to this point now I've, I'm working with three different markets within iHeartMedia and I'm running running two of them on the programming side, helping out with the third one. Um, and the hockey thing has just kind of, you know, fallen into place. And it was, it was cool working for the, for the hometown team and, you know, getting off the air at seven o'clock, running across the street and going to work in the arena for another couple, you know, two, three hours. Yeah. I love the, the being able to, uh, you know, especially Friday nights, <clears throat> I would work on the AM side. I'd be in at five in the morning. I would leave the radio station at like 11 AM, go home and sleep be with the kids, be with my wife, uh, go back to the radio station about three or four o'clock in the afternoon, put in two, two or so hours of work and then walk across the street. It was like the best thing ever. So you talk about a guy who likes to work, right? <laughs> I, I may have had that title for a little bit, but I look at what you were doing, Steve, when you were working for the Bruins and it was, it was two, two full seasons. Yeah. I mean, the pandemic was right smack in the middle of it. Um, yep. But I mean, you you know how it is. Like one, and both you do. Like once you have kids, everything changes. And yeah, changes. for one, the, the the Bruins didn't pay me enough uh, to make that trip anymore. But you know, especially in Matt knows because we're both teachers. Like it's one thing to wake to come come home at twelve forty five on a Tuesday, get three hours of sleep, go into a radio station, put your hood up, drink a gallon of coffee, and work at a radio station. It's totally yeah. different when you're dealing with freshmen in high school. Sure. Oh yeah. And you like, get your, and yeah. like don't talk to me. Don't bother me. Shut up. Sit down. Like I, you know what I mean? And I, it was just between, I would say, I can't raise my kids on the mass pipe. So like, well, that's the thing, that you know, and, and the student, the, fr the freshman, I couldn't do it. Yeah. You were driving. Well, I mean, so here's a, here's a little, you know, insight to everyone's curious. If, if you're in the game hosting job, especially if you've been doing it as long as I have, once you get past the first two games and you've figured out what the new scripts are for the season, it's very similar every game hmm. and you see the same. And that's the beautiful part about minor league hockey is that 
it's affordable and it's family and it's the same people at every game in and out. And you get to know these people, you know, for good and bad, you know, but it becomes family. It's a family and you really get into a rhythm and a groove and it's, it, it makes it very turnkey for me, but the public address announcer job, you know, there's a lot more to that. You need to get your, your, your name pronunciations. There's always new players coming in. Um, there's some studying that goes into it that, that happens pregame. Um, so you got to be there a little bit earlier. Then when you're in game, you know, there are very quiet moments where you're just hanging out watching the flow, but there's also times and I've seen you scramble and I tell you what, you handle it better than I've ever done when there's, you know, 15 minutes of penalties on one call and then a goal <laughs> happens 30 seconds later. Right. Oh, and it's like, Everything happens at once, and you're like, "How do I focus my thoughts onto getting all of mm-hmm. this onto paper out of my mouth to the arena?" And it's tough; it's very tough. So to do that, make it NHL level, and also make it two hours from your house just to get there—well, hour and a half, right on the pike. Then wow. you got to get into Boston. Two, park, I was say two, traffic, right? Yeah. Two hours when you're dealing with traffic and stuff. At least. Then you got to get home afterwards, and then you I guess you get up the next day and deal with high school kids. No, I, how you did it is beyond me. So no, if someone likes to, around here likes to work, it's it's this guy, not not me. Well, I I appreciate that. Um, you know, but yeah, I I I, I all last season I'd drive to Springfield and I'd be like, hey, we're here already. <laughs> I would I would still text my wife, made it made it to the game, you know, because when I'm going to Boston, I like text her, let her know I made it. Made it the bridge. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So um well, uh, go ahead. Kevin, you mentioned, you know, hosting a game, you see the same people, you get to know them. What are some of those interactions like? Because you are still working. Like, do you have people who obviously we all recognize you? They want to chat. Um, like what what is that interaction like dealing with the fans? You know, I love it. I love it. And if it wasn't any musician, anybody that does anything for any kind of public audience, athlete, musician, radio person, podcaster, whoever, if it wasn't for the people that cared about what your product is and what you're doing, Hmm. if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a job. So, you know, at times it can be frustrating if it is busy. Um, my version of busy game hosting different than Steve's version um, when you're getting loaded with penalties and a goal. And then it happened. There happens to be a promo read that comes up onto the PA announcer. That's when it all kind of comes together for, for me. And this is where the Thunderbird staff is actually very, very good is that they've realized that, you know, you want to maximize the amount of money you can make by selling sponsorships, all of the contests and games we do are all for, for clients of the team, right? Who, who mm-hmm. pay money to have their name out there and give us these prizes to give to people and to be, you know, recognized by an audience. So, you know, a, a team that oversells and needs me to be in five places, you know, within five minutes around the arena uh, can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. And that's when it gets tricky. Is that sometimes, and I'm also working on the number of whistles you get in a game. And it always seems like the busier the game is promotionally, the less whistles we get in the yes. game. Yes, it is. Yeah. So now we got to get all this stuff in before the period's over. And we've gotten two whistles the entire period. It's like, well, okay, well, how, how are we going to do this? Um, and then the games where you've got 
nothing going on. It's like icing after icing after icing. And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> right. Um, but where it gets frustrating is that, yeah, you, you need to be, you know, here and then here and here. You're on a time crunch and you run into that one person that loves to talk to you and just doesn't quite get it that you're that you're working. And that's fine because they're there having a good time. And what I'm doing, Steve, what you're doing, what the team is doing, it's all part of that good time. So what I always try to remember is that even though I need to be someplace, I've got to focus. I can't let that get to me. Uh, and I and you got to be as polite as you can. Hey, I got a buzz. I'll be back. I'll come back and see you. And I do make an, uh, an effort to try to get back and see that person at some point. And if I don't, they usually they're fine with it and I'll see them the next game anyway, because they're there the next right, the exactly. next night. Um, but that's the cool part about it is that the fans are really understanding when you are busy. Um, and you just, you know, you, you, you give them that, you give them that respect that they give you. They're there and they give you compliments and you respect them for, for wanting to um, hear what you're saying and enjoy mm. what you're doing. And, you know, I, I am a, I am parsley is what I'll say. You know, if, if the Thunderbirds are the steakhouse, right. You're coming in for the nice cut of cut of, you know, New York strip, right. That's the team. That's the hockey. I'm the parsley over here on the side. I'm just there to make sure that everything is a little extra, right. That's, that's what my job is. Um, and I try to do it the best I can. Now there's a line in um, oceans 11 where he says they need to, they need to, uh, they need to know, they need to meet you like you and then forget you exist the minute that you leave the room. And that's how that's I feel. About, that's how I feel about my job. You need to know me, like me, and then forget I'm even there. And you know, um, so, so are you actually like, do you actually get to enjoy the game? Like, is there yes. any between the fans and everything else? Do you actually get to sit down and watch the game at all? Or if you, if anyone, so here's a little secret. If anybody pays attention to where I am, <laughs> third period, Things get quiet for me. <laughs> and again, this is where the Thunderbirds staff really understands the game. Let's get all of our promo things, all of our sponsorship items done mm. as early as we can. Luke, the game operations director now, is really good at that. He and I have got a great back and forth. I've been with Luke now for a long time. Um, and we get all these things done early. So by the third period, if you do have a game that doesn't have a lot of whistles and timeouts, we can put we can push things later in the game. But if the game goes the way it's supposed to, I don't have a lot going on in the third. So what I'll do is just find myself sitting down there for the last 10, 15, 10, 15 minutes to the game um, behind the goal judge at the referee's entrance, sitting behind the, the uh, T-Birds goalie. Mm -hmm. And I just watch the game. I just watch. And that's when I really get to take it in. I try to pay attention throughout the entire game, even while I know I've got to be here for this giveaway. I got a t-shirt toss coming up, whatever. But I'm always watching the game with one eye and, and one ear because uh, there is, if the team wins, a post-game interview. And mm -hmm. I don't want to come in with some basic, you know, blah, run-of-the-mill questions. I want to ask them a question that's, pertinent to what happened in the game and whether it's a play that involved that player directly if it was the goal or if it kind of was the overall tone of the game 
you know, I, I want it to be an intelligent question that the player will appreciate and will give the fans some actual insight as to what happened. Um, so I'm watching the whole game, but then the third period when it's quiet, then I can really sit there and watch. And now I'm formulating the questions. And if, you know, if we're up by a couple of goals and looking like we're going to have a win, although it feels like more often we're always tied with like four, four minutes. <laughs> really to go does. Yeah. Yep. And I don't know if I'm going to go out there or not, but I'm thinking of those questions. What am I going to ask? And again, you ask the first star of the game. So yeah. some games you never know who's that gonna who that's gonna be until the last two minutes. Uh, other games it's very obvious someone's got a hat trick in the first three minutes and the team's up by you know six. You know who it's gonna be, but other games you don't. You know if, if the goaltender's standing on his head and pitching a shutout, you know a forty save shutout, you know it's gonna be the goaltender. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I'm watching the game. I'm enjoying the game, but I'm also thinking about the on ice interview. And, you know, I never thought of it this way, but I talk, I, I, again, I forget who this was within the organization a couple of years back um, about, and it may have been with the Falcons about doing the interview. And cause the Falcons never did the interview before I started in 2012. And I brought that in with me from Bridgeport cause they did it in Bridgeport all the time. And I said, are they going to want to do this? And somebody said, these guys want to make the NHL. And if you make the NHL, one of the things you're going to have to do is interviews. Yep. So even though it's like a race car driver, you can be the best driver in the world, but if you can't bring in your own sponsors and, mm. and bring in your own money and, and, and create and bring in your brand, yeah, your branding, you're yeah. not going to get to drive the players in the NHL. Same thing. A- a- any major league sport, right? That is part of the game part. It's your brand your play, your skill, your, your ability, but also your, your fan interaction and your media interaction is a big part of it. Yeah. Hmm. We're talking with uh, Kevin Johnson, the in-game host for uh, your Springfield Thunderbirds. Probably got time for about one more question. Uh, Matt, you got anything you wanted to, to fire away? Well, I mean, do you have any quick stories? I'm thinking, I mean, I know I, I've actually, I, we sit, my family, we sit in section 31. So we've seen you hanging out there. Oh so you watch me down there hiding out down behind the. Well, I I didn't want to call you out. We, we I I like to peek around and you know I did. I we found out Santini's hiding spot you know pregame yeah. last year he was up there. But you know, do you have any interactions other than that post game interview with any players or even referees? Because I mean, they come back and forth right kind of where you are. Do you have any quick stories about referees or or any? Player the interactions. Not, the players, not so much, because they're in a, a separate area from us. And mm-hmm. I never want Steve. You have the opportunity to sit there and kind of just have the the brief casual conversation. You see them every game. They're sitting next to you when they got a penalty. You can get into a conversation with me. It would be I would have to search them out, mm. and I don't want to make it you know seem like hey guys, I'm grilling you, I'm interviewing you, you know, I'm pre-interviewing you for the next game. It just it would be kind of <laughs> funky. Um, but if I do pass somebody, you know, in the hallway, they're always very, very nice. Mm. Um, I'll say this, Tommy Cross, who just retired, nicest person in the world. Um, and another guy who's another, uh, um, favorite of Springfield hockey, Colin McDonald, who played for the Islanders for a while, um, finished his career in Adirondack, uh, Adirondack, no, Lehigh Valley, uh, uh, Lehigh Valley. Thank you. I was thinking of the Adirondack Phantom Lehigh Valley for, for Philadelphia. Um, and I talked with Colin at the all-star game 
when the all-star game was over, we all got to go on the ice. And I know Colin from long story short, I played softball with him for two games, summertime (laughs) beer league, um, friend of a friend's father who was a cop in the town I grew up in. They all played together in college of Providence. So we got Colin to come in and kind of be a pinch hitter for us on the, on, on the beer league softball team. The kid got up first at bat, first pitch, Jack to Homer. Um, we're on the bench cause he was DH and we're just talking. He was leaving for Oilers training camp the next day. Wow. Like it was just cool. That's the coolest. And again, the nicest guy in the yeah. world referees. They're always cool. Uh, Brent Colby is linesman in the NHL. Brent actually works with my wife. His day job is in the same building my wife works in in Hartford. Um, so he and I always have a quick, like, hey, how's the wife doing? Yeah, good. How's the kids? Yeah, great. You know, and we'll just kind of go back and forth. And he's, uh, I would say at this point, you see, the, the hockey game is a young man's game. The refing game is a young man's game. Brent's been at it for a long time and he holds his own no problem with those kids. So it's, it's cool yeah. to talk to him too. Hmm. Well, Kev, this has been awesome, man. We really appreciate you taking the time. Um, this is great. I, you know, it's seasons right around the corner. And like I said, I miss uh, just shooting the, you know, what shooting the breeze on a regular basis. We work together, but uh, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some stories. This is a lot of fun. This is definitely fun. And uh, I can't wait to get started here. I know the season's a, a couple of weeks away and uh, just, just stoked about it. So looking forward to getting back and seeing you and uh, Steve back to you. <laughs> live, <laughs> ah, there you live, go. Live from the porch. That's Kevin Johnson. <laughs> live from the porch. The end of my summer. Here we go. Yeah. All right, pal. I appreciate it. Thanks again. We'll see you Thank all you, hockey, Kevin. everybody. Thank you guys. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right. That was Kevin Johnson from the uh, Springfield Thunderbirds and Mix 93.1, my former boss. Um, <laughs> and it was always great having my boss skating around on the ice uh, with me. And um, I know, like I said in the beginning of the interview, I just, I owe that guy so much for my career. And uh, I'm glad that, that he's still, he's still like a part of my life. Like I don't work at that radio station anymore. He wasn't the one who fired me, by the way. Um, <laughs> it was COVID that fired me. But um, um, it's nice that we can still connect and, you know, hang out. And, and you know what's awesome? I mean, hearing Kevin talk, we interviewed Luke a few weeks ago, hearing you talk about Jay. I said this on our first episode. I'm the fan here. It's just incredible how professional you everybody you're talking to behind the scenes, how professional this organization is, how close knit this organization is. Um, and, and to hear the backstory between you and Kevin and how it kind of came all full circle and, and you guys are still together here with the Thunderbirds. It's just incredible. And I, and I do think, you know, it, it goes back to my sense of community that pulled me into the Thunderbirds. You can tell that the Thunderbirds are a family organization and there's no better place that I would rather spend my money with my family than going to the Thunderdome. Um, you know, it's just incredible. Great yeah. chatting with Kevin and, and and hearing everybody just continue to talk about the professionalism and just the, the, the feeling around that organization is a great thing. Yeah. Well, it's a great place to work. And I think that's, that's one of the things we're, we're shooting for. We say it every episode, but when we do these interviews, we, we want to have players on and stuff like that. And once the season gets going, we will. But um, to, to sort of get the the back end view of it, to pull behind yeah. the curtain and see what's going on back here. And I mean, I live it every day, but uh, to hear that from you is great because I want to make sure we're not boring the hell out of people, <laughs> you know, um, but I, I Kevin's the best and I could I could talk to that guy forever. 
Um, so thanks to him for joining us. And uh, as we look back last weekend, the prospects tournament, um, I'm, I'm sure you, like I was sort of locked into that first game. Um, what were some of your takeaways? Uh, a couple of takeaways from that one, Matt. Oh, I, I know we both share this first one right off the bat. Big Z is big. <clears throat> he came up big and you know, it, it's, it, it's, it is one game. Um, you know, I, I let's, let's not expect, you know, uh, a, a 0.89 goals against average, uh, for a season, but you, he, he's big time. He's continuing to develop. You can tell he's continuing to work on his craft. Um, it almost makes me w- worried as to, you know, you've got this great goalie prospect. What do you do with them? Um, you've got Binner in the NHL. You got Hofer there now. Um, do you look to, to, I mean, I hope he doesn't go anywhere else, but he, Zarenko looked great. You've got him and Zuban as your one-two. Uh, that's a pretty solid AHL goaltending rotation. Yeah, uh, I don't. You know, I, whether you split it 60-40, one or the other, 50-50, 30 I, I, you know, however you split that rotation, they're going to be pretty solid in goal. Yeah, and I wonder if that's part of the reason why the Blues brought in um, Zuban in the first place was mm. because you know Bennington, Bennington gets hurt every year. Yep. Yep. And, you know, if you are calling up Zarenko on a regular basis, you know, it's, it's Colton Ellis um, to be the back, you know, to be the sort of the, the third guy in at the at the AHL mm-hmm. level. So I guess having that experience, I think, would go a long way. But you're right. I, I hope that it doesn't get to the situation to where the Blues aren't performing well um, and, you know, Zarenko becomes a trade chip. I really hope that's not the case. I don't think they can trade Bennington if they want to. I don't think they want to trade Hofer. So yeah. if a team is inquiring about goalies and they're going to blow them away with an offer for Zarenko, I mean, the Blues would be silly not to take it. But um, you're right. I just I saw confidence. And kind of like we were talking yeah. about Perunovic. He's just he was always in position, ready to go. And even the the you know the Minnesota Wild announcers. It's so hard listening to another team's home. <laughs> it's just like, guys, shut up already. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, even they were, could, were sort of flabbergasted by the, the the confidence and the positioning of Zarenko. And um, you're right. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Um, the other guy I wanted to bring up who I, I think kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. Um, and I know that we talk a lot about uh, Adam Gaudet. Um, mm-hmm. But Mikhail Abramov was kind of the, the big prospect moved in that Ryan O'Reilly trade uh, to Toronto. And I, I'm wondering if he's got a little something to prove. I mean, this would be his first year with the team. He's a little bit older. I think he's what, 23, 24. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he started to come on a little bit at the end of the season, but um, do you think this is, this is a, a big prove it year for Mikhail Abramov? I, I think it would have to be, like you said, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly, that he was such a big part of that blues organization. And I think when you are, hmm, Right. Pawn would pawn is the wrong word to use in that when you're an asset moved in that deal, you're kind of saying, look, I'm not giving away O'Reilly for nothing here. I'm I'm giving him away to better our franchise for the foreseeable future. And when you're a part of that trade, I, I think it does come with a little bit of added pressure where. Obviously, you're doing it for yourself. Right. Intrinsically, you you want to be up there in the NHL. You want to be performing for as many fans as you can. Uh, but, you know, hey, this organization put a lot 
put all their chips, not all their chips, put a lot of chips in my basket and I don't want to disappoint. So I, th- I think you are right. I think it does come with some added pressure. And I think you you would give any player the benefit of the doubt in, in mid-season trades. It takes them a while to get acclimated to their new scene, their new teammates, the new style of play on the ice. And now it's, all right, bud, let's see what you got. Um, you know, we traded for you. Uh, you weren't just a giveaway piece. We traded for you, and now we want you to do something. Yeah, and I and I overshadowed. He's only 22. So when you're that age and you get moved in a big deal like that, um, you know, and he is only a fourth-round pick, but even still, it, you know, you'd see the talent is there. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it can't be easy. It, 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 I mean, it's definitely easier than playing in a place like Toronto, for sure, mm-hmm. uh, in, terms of, in terms of market. But, um, you know, I think he's got – some countrymen, I'm sure him and Alexandrov are, 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 you know, building a relationship together too, which is helpful. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, I'm expecting some good things from Abramov. Did you, did you find it? So also about that game, we had a lot of goals scored, um, by Thunderbirds players. Were you practicing your, your T-Birds goal in the living room over there when your kids were sleeping? <laughs> well, I, um, no, I, I, the, I'm getting enough vo- vocal warmups with the uh, Connecticut sun in the playoffs. That is okay. like, I come home horse, um, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I am excited to say uh, Jeremy Biakovatuka. That is the yeah. one that I'm, uh, I'm very excited about. Although uh, he is sort of one of my thumbs down in that game. I thought that he looked a little, uh, the game was a little bit quick for him. Fast for him. Yeah. And, you know, yep. being that big, it's, it's going to take him a little bit to get used to it, but um, you know, you saw some nice things from um, Zach Bolduc and, and Zach Dean. Yeah, they they actually paired together. They were good chemistry already. Um, you know, I think it was uh, um, was it Dean with the goal assisted? Yep. From um, Zach Bolduc, so it's good to see the chemistry there already. Was it, um, was Alexandrov the other one on that line? I think it was Dean Bolduc and Alexandrov. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Um, he was wearing the C. Yeah. What do you, are we reading into that a little bit or, I mean, we had a full episode on this. What yeah. are you thinking here? Well, that's, that's, it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, I, I, I think that if to me, Alexandrov seems one of those guys that's going to be up and down all year. I agree. Yeah. And I think that if you're, if your guy's going to be up and down all year, it's tough to give him the C mm-hmm. because then he's just not going to be there for half the time. So I would say if they don't give him the C, it would be for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, and again, Will Bitten wasn't there. If Will Bitten had played, yeah. I'd be, I'd be curious to see what, who was wearing what. Sure. Um, but I think that for that prospect tournament itself, I think that's so great for Alexandrov because mm-hmm. he's in the AHL and the NHL. He's the young guy, and the prospects tournament, he is the the old savvy vet. Sure. And um, I wish I had wrote it down, but they said something in the broadcast of like, um, the Blues had like eight guys that it was their third, second or third year in the prospect tournament. And mm. the wild had two. Wow. So it was like, you know, that whether it was Alexandrov or, or, you know, any of those guys that have been doing this for a while, that's a good opportunity for them to learn how to be leaders. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I, I don't think I, I thought too much into it at the time. Although now that you bring it up, I'm kind of thinking about it a little bit. That, that was the thought. I mean, I, I noticed that silly little stuff. And and I'm like, ooh, all right, okay. I, I love Alexandrov. I think he's a good player. I think he's great. Um, you know, it, it, I'm I'm always when you get the notifications on your phone, you know, the Thunderbirds send out who's getting called up. I pick the boys up from school, and I and it's always it's it's sad when I'm like, yeah, boys, you know, 
Alexandrov's heading back up and they're like, oh man, you know, but <laughs> I, I, I always would wish them all the best, but seeing with the C I'm like, all right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll let's keep on. I'm surprised it hasn't been announced, but I mean, you know, um, training camp starts Thursday. So, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. I think if we're, there's any moving pieces, maybe that'll be the start of the process with it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it's crazy. We're getting, dude, we're less than a week away. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Um, a couple other takeaways from that game. I thought, uh, talking about guys stepping into leadership roles, Kean Washcroft was awesome, man. That yep, kid was yep. absolutely all over the place. That fight was awesome. Yeah. Anybody's seen our new pro- Facebook profile picture. It just rules. He is like locked in, right? He's smack locked in. in he's, he's mid-season form. I loved it. I, that was good. That was good. And, and, you know, it's, you can see, I don't want to downplay it right and, and call it a meaningless game because it's anything but that it is not meaningless to these players. And, and you know, to us as a fan, we're watching it on a live YouTube stream and you're like, yeah, all right. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing other stuff if you know, but you, you see the intensity and you see the drive and you see the passion that he played with. It was, that was great to see. Um, I think it's a sign of, of good things to come for him this year. Yeah, agreed. And talk about kids stepping into leadership roles. Uh, I think it'll be a big year for Kean Washcrook. Um, I think his position is sort of uh, wide open. I think he's the mm-hmm. kind of guy that could be playing some pretty big minutes, killing. I think he can kill penalties. I think he can play in the power play. So mm-hmm. he might be getting a lot of minutes, and I think that's good for him. And um, again, seems like a nice role to to step into. Um, somebody else who I thought was strong was this Michael uh, Michael. Michael Buchinger, Buchinger, I uh, Buckinger, Buckinger. I should learn that one before opening night. Um, but just one of those guys I just, I just always noticed he was just Mm -hmm. always everywhere. Um, both ends of the ice just was a a very strong player. Uh, another one of those guys who really wants to be at the NHL level, and I don't know if he's quite ready. So I anticipate him coming to Springfield with a little bit of a fire under his rear end, ready to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, I, the, the only other notes I had were on sort of the, the not as good games. Um, you know, and, and for me, I, I I'm, I'll be a homer here, but at the same time, call a spade a spade. And, you know, I, Matt Kessel just, I, I feel like he's a guy and I know he's local and, and he's got ties here in Massachusetts. He just seems to, he's got the talent but he just seems to be the wrong place in the wrong time. You know, I, I, I remember last season, I believe it was their, their second to last home game against the Hershey bears and they're playing them great at, you know, towards the end of the first period, a, a unforced turnover right there on the blue line leads to the first goal. And then the floodgate came. It's just, you know, those kinds of things. And, and again, in, in a game that where you want to see he's there and you want to see him take that next step. Here he is right on the right in the blue, right in the crease, knocking an own goal in off his skate. And you're just like, Kessel, what are you doing? I just, oh, you know, and, and so he's just I don't know. He he's one of those players that. Obviously, I root for him, I want him all wish him all the best, but. You know, I, I, I need to see him eliminate those unforced turnovers, those unforced errors, those 
wrong place at the wrong time type of plays. I need to see those eliminated. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of bad penalties too. Yeah. Um, which, uh, you know, he used to get the, the, um, the delay of game ones. We just flip it up the glass and you miss and it's like, Ugh. but, and, and I mean, those things happen when you're out of position and then you're rushing. And, and, you know, I, I feel like that's, it's, it's not always the play itself. It's the lead up to the play that causes some of those turnovers or penalties. And, and when you're out of position, then you start to scramble and, and you, you lose sense of his, his God given talent that he clearly has, you know? So I, I hope he can, can, can kind of right the ship there a little bit. And, and because we're going to need a strong back line, I think, I think goaltending will be fine, but you're giving away turnovers at the blue line. It doesn't matter who you got in goal, you know? Yeah. And Tommy cross gone. Zer- um, mm-hmm. uh, oh my goodness. Uh, who's the big well, guy who went to Sam Rukov. Sam Rukov is gone. Right. So, and, and, assume and Santini Peru- Santini's gone. Assume Perunovic isn't going to be there. Josh Jacobs, who they acquired is on the injured list. Yep. So, yep. you know, if they're not thin on the back end, they're going to be young and they're raw young. They're fresh. young. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, they're going to be looking at, at him to be the kind of the leader back there in the back end. And yeah, we can't be taking bad penalties and you can't be, like you said, out of position, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Um, and again, speaking of young defensemen, Jeremy Biakovaduka, my man, uh, just, just a bad penalty because he's, he's so big and the other guys are so small and fast and he's just trying to like catch up and it's like um you know i don't know what he's gonna bring i don't know i know nothing about the player other than never seen him play other than that game we watched i i want him to mm-hmm. be so good because i love his name <laughs> yeah. but um uh you know what not the strongest game for him either and and you know when it comes to the second game um against chicago they lose five nothing connor bedard with a hat trick i mean that dude is just righteous i love these generational talents in any sport. I love being able to tell my kids stories about Derek Jeter. And, and, you know, I love that my kids saw the tail end of Tom Brady and, and, you know, I, they're learning about, um, you know, I, learning about Wayne Gretzky and Sidney Crosby and uh, why am I uh, Ovechkin? Yeah. Right. And, and I'm like, boys, this Bedard kid, uh, you know, I I hate to you know knock on wood saying this, but he he looked he looks the part number number one overall pick. It's incredible that Chicago can keep getting these guys, um, but he he incredible. looked he looked <laughs> yeah yeah he ended up in a big market. I wonder how yeah, but uh, you know it's it, he he looks the part. Uh, I'll, I'll and I think it's fair to leave it at that. He looks the part, and and good luck for him. You're so right, though. I mean, even if I get home late, especially like from a Thunderbirds game and I, I'll throw on the NHL network. Cause I love hockey that much. And McDavid is on, I'm not turning it off. Like oh, I'm, I'm so fun. It's, it's, you're going to miss something. And even if he doesn't mm-hmm. score, like you said, it's just fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think Connor Bedard is going to be the next thing. And that boy, that little, that little wrist shot he had from outside the slot. Like, mm. I don't know what, I don't know how you stopped that at any level. It's, it was just, uh, that's a stinger. That's a stinger. Just he ruthless. just, yeah. Um, and then the only other thing I wanted to bring up about the weekend was, um, you know, cause I always pay attention to the commentators being the radio nerd that I am mm-hmm. and I'm watching the game and, and the, the, the blues and the Thunderbirds and the prospects game, um, did such a good job of clogging the middle of the ice. And I found that every shot Minnesota was taking was from the outside. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, they're doing a really good job, you know, below the hash marks and just keeping, 
um, anything that comes in gets sent straight out. All of the shots from Minnesota are coming from the point. And then the commentator goes, well, well, the wired wild D are really getting involved in the offense. It's good to see them getting involved in the offense. And I'm like, the only reason they're getting involved in the offense is because the Thunderbirds are taking everything down below away. And, and I think that's a good sign too. Yeah. Well, and so let me ask you this quick question. Like how much of that as a commentator in some, someone in radio, I know you're not, you don't do play by play, but how much of that perspective is to almost you're spinning it for your, your crowd, right? If, if you're not, you wouldn't sit there and, and congratulate the other team on your network to say, well, they're doing, you know, you're, you're gonna Is that, a, is that intentional spin? Um, I, I don't think so. And, and if anybody listens to Ryan on the call, I think he does a really good job. He's able to see both sides of the ice. Um, I think that when you are calling a game for say St. Louis, you're watching your players more than you're watching the other team, right? It's like, if you're watching a football game and you're watching your offensive line, you're like, well, how come I got, how come my guy didn't block, didn't get the block. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, if you're watching <laughs> the other side, you're like, what a great move that was on the offensive line. You know what I mean? So sure. it's like whatever lens you're looking at from, I don't think that is something that's forced. It's not like a political agenda or anything like that. I think it's, it's more of what lens you're looking at the game from. And especially a play-by-play, you don't, you, you can't watch everything. Yeah, I was yeah. the play-by-play guy is to watch the puck. You got to watch the puck, follow the puck, wherever the puck goes, that's what you're looking at. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's all perspective. Um, if that guy was on the blues broadcast, he might've said something different, you know? So, sure. yep, 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 um, yep. um, but I don't think that kind of, those kind of things are intentional. I think, again, I'm looking at it through one lens saying they're suffocating the offensive zone. And he's looking at the other lens saying, boy, the D's taking a lot of shots. Like it's well, just I, two different viewpoints on the same play. And, and ultimately you're right. I think anytime you you have to say, well, our defense is getting involved in the offense. I think that's a good sign for the yeah. Thunderbirds and, and the, for the Blues because that means you're taking away their offense. Um, no team goes into it with a game plan saying, "All right, D, you know we need we need three goals out of the back line here." Um, so uh, you know, overall, over the weekend, you come away with a split, one and one. But I think there are a lot of good things, um, a lot of things to work on. You got training camp coming up in a week, and uh, hopefully, we'll get an official T-Birds roster to you as soon as possible. Absolutely. Um, and this was a lot of fun. It's uh, it's funny how, Matt, the season hasn't even started yet. Three episodes in, I'm, I'm having a blast. We always got this stuff, awesome. stuff to talk about. Um, a big thank you to Kevin Johnson for joining us. That interview was absolutely fantastic. Uh, so really appreciate him taking the time. And um, again, for those of you listening out there, if you get a chance to give us a like or a subscribe, um, you know, on Apple, on Spotify, YouTube, however you're consuming us, uh, we really appreciate that. And lastly, any um, businesses, particularly a local business, we'd love to have you be a part of our organization as a sponsor. And, you know, again, we're not, we're not doing this to make money hand over fist. We would like though, to cover our sort of operating costs, which again, are not mm-hmm. a lot of money, but, but if, if we can get those covered a little bit, that would help out too. And trust me, you're get your money's worth. Um, captain radio guy, trust me, I'll make it, I'll make it <laughs> worth your time. That's for damn sure. So, um, but uh, Matt, thanks for taking the time today. This was, uh, this was a blast as always. Absolutely. Uh, thank you all for listening and uh, let's go T-Birds.